Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. Welcome into their episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this week's episode, we have Perry Husband. Perry is somebody who I've been I've been following for quite some time online on Twitter and someone I've even seen on MLB Network. He he's in the private sector, but he works with a lot of college baseball and college softball teams. He works with Oklahoma softball team who you know wins the national championship it feels like every single year. And what Perry is really well known for is this thing called effective velocity. And essentially what it is is it's it's about how the same pitch can have different speeds based upon where it is in the strike zone. So a pitch that's up and in at you know at a certain velocity is going to be a little bit different if that same pitch is on the outer half. And so I, I think he does a, a good job of explaining it. He's passionate about it. And quite frankly, I just like people who think a little bit outside the box when it comes to having an approach at the plate as a hitter, game planning as a pitcher. And so I, I think you'll find this episode pretty interesting. I will say he, he does show some um, some video in this episode. So if you can, I'd recommend watching this on YouTube. You can go to my YouTube channel, Patrick Jones Baseball, and the episode will be right there. So I would recommend, if you're listening to this on audio, go to my YouTube channel, Patrick Jones Baseball, and you'll be able to watch all the visuals and see them firsthand. Here we go, Perry Husband. This is the future, this is my time, I grind and shine. I put in the work and push the line. I'm holding my crown. All right, we now welcome on Perry Husband to the podcast. Perry, thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely, it's been it's uh, it's been been fun watching you do your thing. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate. It. Well, we we've been having a great conversation, but um, off the air before we started recording, and I I literally had to interrupt you <laughs> and be like, "We got to start recording this because this content is phenomenal. We have to get this on the podcast." Um, first of all, I came across you and and your name is somebody who I linked early on to Carlos Pena. I believe I saw it on MLB Network several years ago and I was and so that's how I first started to 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 know you and follow you. But I, I am genuinely curious because you don't put out a lot of of, of content online on, on purpose because your stuff's really good and you don't probably don't want people stealing it all the time. <laughs> but what how how did you like what exactly do you do? How'd you get to where you are? Like you're somebody who I can't just Google because there's you don't I specifically put a lot of stuff out there, but I, I'm curious as to how you got to where you're at. Yeah, I took a lot of my stuff, especially my advanced hitting stuff off the market because it seemed like the only people paying attention, because I had a pretty small following for a long time, and I would put something out. And then somehow it would end up in everybody else's software or whatever, you know, the, they wouldn't even bother changing the name of the drills. It was like, you know, just, this is now our stuff. And so I, when I first introduced effective velocity, it was a weird, um, I don't even know how to go into this. This is like an eight hour conversation. (laughs) Um, But effective velocity was such a secret. I, I mean, I went around and tried to sell it to clubs. The, some of these clubs at some point are going to go, man, I wish I would have paid attention because when, when people get it, when people really understand what effective velocity is, cause it's been convoluted. The water has been very muddied about what effective velocity is, but when you get to the core of it and we'll get to a lot of the core, hopefully um, today, the, it it measures every single aspect of pitch pitcher deception. It measures, um, and in fact, we've introduced the effective velocity introduced virtually all of the the modern pitch deception metrics. The tunnel we were we I introduced the tunnel, the concept of um, of what makes the ball move, tilt axis and spin and how the seams make the ball move from one, how you create more movement. All of that stemmed from, from effective velocity, like downright filthy book three <laughs> introduced the concept of how arm angle and how wrist, the angle of your wrist and the pronation where, where you're at here 
applies pressure and, and creates the physics of what makes the ball go. Um, other people have made that famous, but it, it stemmed from effective velocity because it was a, ne a, ne a necessary thing. Because when you realize right with this speed because if i get there at the wrong speed it gets hit if i get there at the right speed so i have to design a pitch that's going to look like fastball and then move to that area um because the the first discovery the first aha moment with ev was throwing pitches to kids and having like in, in bp and you're going okay i'm going to go inside now and they'd be late and you're like, no, really, I'm going to throw the ball inside now. And they'd be late. And I'm like, what is, what causes that? What is the, what's, why are they late on that every single time? Some kids like five times they'd be late. And then finally they would get their mind right. And they would get out front and get the barrel out there to square it up. And so it's this idea of, of speed. Speed is super relative. So if I throw 90 or 95 or whatever the speed is, but I throw it on the outside part of the plate. The hitter has a lot more time to react to it because they hit it deeper in the zone. Right. So every place in the strike zone has a place that it needs to be hit where I have to get extended in order to get there. So when you, when you start to look at how that works, there's a huge difference in speed between down and away fastball and up and in fastball. Tremendous. Because it covers like the down and away fastball is about three feet of spatial differential between where I make contact on the up and in pitch. If I'm going to do damage to that up and in pitch, that's this is therein lies one of the one of the weirdnesses as to why nobody gets it, because the average big leaguer is pulling their hands in and hitting that pitch way back here to try to buy themselves some time. But they're nowhere near 100%. The average exit velocity on fastballs in the big leagues is 84 on up and in fastballs. And it's 87 on middle up and middle in. So all along that little diagonal, that because they're pulling their hands in, they're late on fastball. And so they lose exit velocity. And the fastest exit velocity on fastballs every year, year in, year out, right-handed, left-handed, doesn't matter. It's always the same since they started looking at it. It's, it's In fact, it's been like that since the game started, but they've only started measuring exit velocity recently. But middle down is always the highest exit velocity every year or middle away. It, it, it varies a little bit, but mostly it's middle down in the strike zone is the highest exit velocity. So all the guys trying to throw fastballs down and away, down and away, down and away, but they miss down and middle. <laughs> They're creating the atmosphere for the hardest hit balls off of fastballs. Um, so when you understand how that zone works and then you start to think, well, how can I get my fastball to go there or, you know, to, to stay in that fastest place, but yet look like the middle. And the reason I want to want it to look like the middle is because one of the other things that we discovered is that when you start doing the math on these pitches, like, for example, if you take um, a typical fastball in the big leagues is 93. So if you take 93 sinker down and away, probably the most common pitch in the game, 93 sinker down and away, that reaction time for that is 90. And then let's say I throw a split finger or a hard changeup, because that's kind of a norm now, is a hard changeup. But I leave it in the middle. So that 90 actually is 90 EV miles an hour. And then I throw a cutter and that cutter moves into me as a lefty, for example, and that cutter is 87. So I've got three different pitches going to three different parts of the zone. They might even be coming out of the same exact tunnel. They might look exactly alike. And then the sinker moves away. This, the changeup stays middle and this cutter moves in. So I make my swing and my barrel goes right through the heart of all three of those pitches. Because I'm my my brain is thinking whatever, right? Like fastball away. Like I'm listening to every hitting coach in America, maybe in the world, saying, let the ball get deep, hit the ball oppo, 
um, get your foot down early, but let the ball travel and hit the ball the other way. So what they're saying in essence is gear yourself to outside fastball. That's why it has the highest exit velocity partly, but partly because when a hitter is thinking middle, middle, which most of them that's true North to a hitter is middle, middle. They practice middle, middle. They put the T at middle, middle. They hit the ball at the middle. Everything is everything in a hitter's world is about the middle. If a, if a BP pitcher throws the ball in on them, they're like, they're bitter because they're going to be, they're late on a BP pitch and, and they want the ball middle. They want to work the ball the other way. Right. So that's their true North is middle, middle. So if I'm trying to hit middle, middle and the way the, the way my mind works is I'm always going to be just a little bit behind reality, right? Your, your mind just, your mind's working very fast, but you, you just don't react because you're a human as fast as your mind is moving. And so you're always just a little bit behind reality. And unless you train it out, you're always going to be about two and a half to three miles an hour later than you think. So guy fouls off a ball right down the middle. Everybody is in the park is going, Ooh, he was all over that. And the reality is, no, he wasn't. He was, he was two and a half miles an hour late to that, or he was two miles an hour late to that. It's always, you notice it's always the same, right? They always foul it straight back this way, meaning that they're late to perfect contact and they foul it off because they're underneath the ball and it just goes straight back. But they're actually at least two miles an hour late on that pitch. They're not on time. They're not on it. They're just a little bit late. And, and so that outside fastball at 93, I run into that at what the equivalent of 90 miles an hour is. Uh, it's around point uh, four. I want to say point four three three seconds. I'll I'll look that up in a second. But I'm going to run into that ninety three away, and then on my way to that middle. So let's just say I expect that that sinker to be middle, and then it sinks away from me. I'm I'm expecting to get to ninety because that thing looks like it's ninety three in the middle. I'm expecting to get to ninety three in the middle, and on my way to ninety. I run into 93 away because it's it's at the same speed as the as 90 actually would be. So my brain is stuck at about two and a half miles an hour later than 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 what we think. So, so 90, if, if it's a so 90 miles an hour right down the middle is, is equipped okay, 90 miles an hour right down the middle, and the radar gun, like as people would see it on TV, right down the middle. You're saying that if that pitch is on the outer half, it's going to be a couple miles an hour slower because yes. it's right. And then it's going to, what, like how, what's the difference? Three or four miles an hour? At 90, it's about 2.3, 2.3 miles an hour. Okay. Slower. And then inside it changes be, at every speed. It changes at every speed. Right. Because a hundred mile an hour pitch has a different effect on you than a 70 mile an hour pitch, right? Like a car moving 50 miles an hour is a lot easier to get out of the way of than a car moving 100 miles an hour because your gauge of that speed and, and how much it covers in a blink of an eye is so much different. So 100 miles an hour, roughly uh, 2.75 miles an hour. So when you when you look at a 100 mile an hour pitch, it has a greater effect when you move the location than a 70 mile an hour pitch does. And, and that's one of the reasons why analytics has faltered on figuring out what EV is all about. It's because they keep using the wrong uh, adjust the speed adjustments, the location adjustments, because it varies at every at every speed. What do they use? What are they using? <laughs> the one the one study was uh, was comical because they took uh, someone on the Internet, did a thing on effective velocity. And they misquoted, they they used a piece of my book that was showing what time units are. And a time unit is, is how much effect does that six inch movement cause? How how much is that effect? And like at at 90 at 90 miles an hour, it's about 2.2, something like that, 2.3. And so um how, how do I how do I say this? What he what he thought was miles per hour was actually time units. So in other words, you move the ball six inches, 
it's going to change it by one time unit, faster or slower. So you throw the fastball right down the middle. It's going to be 90 if you throw it 90 or a changeup or whatever pitch it is. If you move it to middle in, it's going to gain about 2.3 miles an hour because I have to hit it 18 inches further out in front of home plate or further out in front of what I would hit middle, middle because my bat is, is elliptical, right? It's a circle. So when I make that circle, I don't just go straight to that spot, although that's what a lot of guys do, is they cheat and they bring their barrel here. So they're hitting the inside fastball at the same like line in the sand front edge of the plate that that they would hit the ball up the middle. And and that's why the exoplasty goes down so much is because they're hitting the ball at at the wrong place. But when you do all the studies of effective velocity with um with the analytics people is they say, well, look here, all the contact points are back here. They're not, they're not two feet out in front of home plate. And the, and the answer to that is, well, the ones that are hit 120 miles an hour are, but nobody's doing that on a hundred mile an hour fastball inside. They're all hitting it back here, hitting it at, you know, 80% of their max because they're at, at, at most because they're cheating their mechanics to try to get to that spot. So if you were to keep your swing as an A swing, 100% mechanically efficient, then I'm going to hit the outside pitch in one location. I'm going to hit the middle pitch in front of that by about, if, if we're talking middle away, middle, middle, and middle in. So the same plane, but three different locations. Then my barrel, I'm going to get full extension at one point here. I'm going to get full extension, probably six inches in front of home plate on the one in the middle. And it's about 18 inches in front of home plate, depending on my arm length, bat length, where I'm at in the zone, in the box. A lot of factors about that. It's really almost impossible to be perfect, to be precise. The patent, we tried to get as close as we could to all the, all the precision of that. But at the end of the day, if I make my A swing to get to a middle end fastball at 90 miles an hour, I have to hit it as though it's 92.5 because that's the time it's going to arrive at middle end. Now I can let that get deeper and hit it at night at the 90 mile an hour point, but I'm going to have to cheat my swing in order to do it. So from a pitching standpoint, if I can get you to do this, do I win or do you win? You might hit a Gork single, but you're not doing very much damage when your hands are in here close to your chest. So I win that battle. So EV was designed around the idea of just giving you a measurement so that you knew what the effect of every pitch was. And, and people went into weird places with the thought process behind that. The average pitcher is throwing what they're trying to do. If you listen to all the, all the experts, they're trying to get more movement right? Sweeper is got is designed to go straight and then move directly sideways. There's a reason that why that went out of style <laughs> a long time ago is because when, if you've got a black belt hitter, they recognize the fact that it's moving that much. The more that thing moves, the easier it is to recognize. Even, the, even if you started in a tunnel, it's going to come out of that tunnel pretty early if it's going to move 16 inches, like some of these guys are creating. Can it be effective? Yes. If you if you have a decent tunnel, it can be a great pitch, but it only has one use. It looks like it's middle and it runs off the plate. It's a good use, but it is it's 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 very limited. And if I'm a black belt hitter, I understand that that's going to happen, and I make my game plan accordingly. We we've gone kind of gone off on a couple of tangents, but the primary. The primary thing that I first discovered was speed is relative. Every time you take 90 and move it around, it has a different effect. It has a different reach point for the hitter. So it affects the timing each time. So up and in with that 90 mile an hour pitch, it's 95. Middle in, it's 92, whatever, 92.3. And when you add the elevation to get it to the top, it's almost 95. So that's that's a very big difference between middle, middle, and up and in is five miles an hour. And then when, when I go away with it, 
it's it loses that much speed. So the down and away version of that's 85-ish, a little bit faster than 85. And the and the one up and in is just a little bit slower than than 95. So we're talking about an a nine, eight or nine mile an hour differential between down and away and up and in, hmm. which is weirdly just about the exact same amount of of exit velocity that's lost on up and in versus down and away. <laughs> it's it's actually not at all. It's 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 scientifically that makes perfect sense. Because so, if this effect is faster, I'm going to be later. Therefore, I'm going to have less exit velocity. So if, if, okay, so I'm a coach listening to this, and like everything you're saying so far makes perfect sense, right? Fastball right down the middle. It's going to have a different perceive. It's going to have a different speed to the hitter if it's away versus if it's in. So if I'm a coach, a hitting coach, or just a coach of it in running the team, like okay, I can now I know that information. How how would you recommend somebody use that information in order to help their hitters? hit better in the game, which at the end of the day, right, it's about scoring more yeah. runs. So what would be some of the things that that maybe you would tell your hitters knowing what you know? Well, there is an independent study going on right now at Biola University, their math and science department, is doing an effective velocity um, research project. And they, they they did it in phases because like if, if phase one is wrong, then we're not even going to bother with phase two. So phase one was they replicated the same thing I did in 2004, which was Inside Edge was the only database that had pitches back then. They had like four and a half million pitches or five, almost five million. Um, but only 330,000 had speeds because on television, that's how they got their their info, their data. They had pro ex-pros looking at the pitches and charting them. So they would get pitch type and location and results, but they couldn't get, they didn't have the speed a lot of times because they didn't put it on television. And then when they started putting it on television more and more and more and more, you know, that, that got better and better. So what, what we did was I went to inside edge and I asked them, I've been doing these crazy studies and I'm, I'm, I'm onto something, but I need this. I need some MLB data to kind of prove it or, or disprove it. So can I, you know, can we do something with your database, but we have to alter it, right? We have to adjust the speed of the pitches. So we took all the 90 mile an hour pitches down and away and renamed them as 85 mile an hour fastballs. And the ones that were up and in were 95 miles an hour. But if it was 95 located down and away, right? It, so every pitch has a, a, a radar speed. And then based on its location, it has an effective speed, an effective velocity. So EV miles per hour is what the change is whenever you take a pitch and move it. So what we found was exactly what I found in all my testing was hitters have five miles an hour of adjustability where they're going to produce at a high level. So in other words, if I were to take my pitches and, and make them six miles an hour apart, seven miles an hour apart, but they looked like the same pitch, hitters are terrible at putting at, at creating anywhere near 100% of their maximum output. So when you, when you, that's where the tunnel was invented was how do I make it look like it's going to the middle and then have it run to different parts of the strike zone? There's your answer is you tunnel it so that the arm side run goes in and gets faster and the slider moves away and gets slower. And so effectively that slower pitch is getting even slower, but it looks like a 90 mile an hour fastball. So I've created this crazy illusion where it looks like the ball is faster, but it, but it's moving outside that, that zone. So what we were looking for, what I was looking for was do the statistics peak at one point, in other words, does the home runs, hard hit balls, batting average, do all those numbers peak at one EV mile per hour, which was what I thought might happen. Because if I'm right and pitchers are throwing uh, 90 mile an hour pitches really often because they're throwing 95 away or they're throwing 88 in or they're throwing whatever the combination equals 90, I think that hitters are running into all these pitches. So that's what would happen is that the 
that the the all the hard hit ball statistics would peak at one point. And that's exactly what happened. At exactly 90 EV miles per hour, batting average was the highest, home run percentage was the highest, uh, hard hit ball rate was the highest, swing and miss percentage was the lowest, right? So they're on it, so they don't swing and miss very often. So as the timing got closer to 90 miles an hour, all of the stats were at, at max. The absolute max of all those stats was at that one peak. And then three miles an hour on either side of that peak, all the statistics dropped, right? So what that tells you is very clearly, big league hitters have about a six mile an hour speed that they kill. And outside of that, it starts to go down. And they peak at this one point in time. So if you understand those two, those two discoveries, I guess, it's like, wow, that is crazy that every hitter is drawn to that one speed. And what speed is that? Well, it's basically outside fastball speed. So whatever the outside fastball effective velocity is, that's what the world is drawn to. So if you want to see the best swings you've ever seen in your life, throw a lot of fastballs middle away and watch what happens. Guys come out of their shoes they may not they might not be on plane with that pitch but they're going to be on time to that pitch and then just hang a change up or a, a 90 mile an hour pitch if you're throwing 95 away throw a 90 mile an hour pitch somewhere near the same line as that other one and watch how many of those just get smashed so if you look at any night on MLB network and you look at quick pitch or whatever that thing is at the end of the night um showing all the highlights just watch how many fastballs away and how many hard off speed pitches are leaving the yard. It's, it's dramatic. Th think of it like this. Think of fastballs as, as a one, if it's up and in, because it's gaining speed, right? So that's the fastest pitch is a fastball, the fastest pitch in the fastest area. So then a two is a fastball that's on that line, like middle, middle on that diagonal and then away because it's losing speed, right? It's either at speed on that diagonal or it's losing speed when it gets to the other side. So like that part of the zone is blue because it's getting colder, right? It's getting, it's losing speed. And the other side is red. So think of it as red and blue fastballs. So a red fastball <clears throat> is a 95 mile an hour fastball plus something. And an, or that 95 turning into minus something, that's a two. So threes are hard off speed, fours are soft off speed. So one, two, three, four, just speed ranges. Something like way more than 60% of all pitches are twos and threes. Fastballs away or hard off speed pitches. So that, that example I said before, which is the 93 sinker away, that's a two. The 90 mile an hour whatever pitch in the middle, that's a three. And then the 87 slider cutter is a three so that combination right there happens every single night where guys are throwing their best fastball away and then their hard off speed pitches if they get towards the middle at all or inside they start gaining speed so they gain what the other one loses and now we're in we're throwing the same pitch all night and don't even know it so the first thing i would tell you is if guys are trying to get better Stop hitting bats. Stop throwing pitches right into barrels. Because if you're throwing your best fastball, I don't care how much it moves. The biggest movement fastballs, guess where the highest exit velocity is? <laughs> I mean, I can show you some examples. Dustin Mays, I did a study of him, and this was back a couple of years ago when he first came up. His average fastball was like one of the highest, right, in movement, spin, and velocity. When he threw his fastball up and in, the batting average was about a buck eighty, with no damage, and about seventy-eight, I think, or eighty miles an hour of exit velocity. When he threw that same fastball down and away, it went up to one hundred one exit velocity, and it went up to something like seven sixty slugging percentage on the fastball away. So, did it lose velocity? No. Did it lose spin? No. Did it move less? No. It, it lost effective velocity. It lost time. And so hitters had about, 
about 11% more time to hit his down and away fastball versus his up and in fastball. So 11% more time up and in versus down and away. That's, that's what we're talking about. So if you're a coach and I guess, correct me if I'm wrong here and you're coaching pitchers, you're, you're telling or, or Dustin Mays, for example, you're telling him to pitch up and in. And then if you're a hitting coach, you're telling him to look middle away. Yes. And that's what they're all doing. And that's why So they're doing, they're doing exactly what you think they should be doing. Well, they're just following logic. They're following their instincts and the way that they train. Think about how a hitter trains fastball, 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 and BP, right? Right. One after right. another, after another, after another, after another. So one of the hardest hit balls is fastball followed by a slower fastball. So if I throw 95 and I throw it middle in and you're late and foul it off, and then I come back with middle away, that's a much slower fastball. And guess what? That ball is crushed super often. If you throw pitches right into that zone of, of twos, twos and threes, guess what? Those balls are crushed the hardest. It's the highest exit velocity, highest everything is on pitches that are in that two, three range. It's, it's called the attention zone. The analytic people don't believe that the attention zone exists, <laughs> but I will tell you that it's alive and well, and that all statistics peak in the middle of that attention zone. And then just outside that attention zone, they, they go dramatically down because hitters, it takes a long time to swing the bat. It takes about 0.133 seconds. That's a third of the way. If we're talking about a 95 mile an hour fastball, that's a third of the flight of the pitch. So when you, when you do the math, the guy lets go of it at around 54 feet. So by the time it gets to home plate, that's three sections of 18 feet. So initially in some of my studies, what we did was we, we looked to see what hitters could see and what they couldn't see. So we tested little young 10 year old kids all the way up to minor league kids as to what they saw and when they saw it. So every kid that we tested within three to five feet to 10 feet at most out of the hand, they could see when the ball was going in different directions. So up, down, in and out, the trajectory of a pitch was identified immediately, right? Then the, um, the, the next thing was, so the first 18 feet of flight in a, in a major league pitch, they're recognizing direction primarily. That's, that's pretty much all you're getting from that first initial flight. But then at about the, the beginning of the second third of the flight, that's where all the real magic happens is the ball starts to take its shape. It starts to move and it's, I start to see spin at about 16 to 20 feet is where hitters start to kind of recognize what the spin looks like. And then when, um, then by the time it gets to that third, third of flight, right. It it's, that's how that's, I have to start my swing. So I get to see the pitch develop. I get to see it start. So I know what, where it's starting. And then I know I, if I pay attention, right. And I watch the ball during that second phase closely, I start to see it move and I start to see it go into the direction that it's going to go. So I see the pitch type in that second third of flight, unless I throw fastball down and away and a slider down and away, fastball down and away, slider down and away. Guess what? I see that immediately out of your hand. So you're making my, my identification immediately better if you're locating all three or four or whatever pitches down and away. So guess where the, the number one location is in Major League Baseball? All pitches is down and away. Why? Because that's what we've been doing for 100 years. And analytics, with all the talk about how scientific it is, the, the purpose behind that, we would have to get an expert on here to, to explain it to me, why they feel like down and away is the safest place to throw. But that's where they live with fastballs. You think so, a, a part of that, though, from a, a pitching psychological standpoint is just a lot of pitchers are, are afraid to hit batters. And so they tend to stay away because they, they are afraid to throw inside because they hit a guy. It's like, oh, that's a free base runner. And so like that's where their logic comes from on that. I would say that's a small percentage of it. I, really? I know that's real, but that's it's not a it's not a major factor. No. I don't think 
I think the biggest factor is they're being told you need to live out away. You need to, you need to throw the fastball up and away. That's the number one place we're going to get punch outs. So if you look at every big league pitcher right now, even the most elite, they're using up and away fastball as the number one chase pitch, but they're living, they're establishing a fastball away. So if you're, if you're coaching pitcher, like say like I'm a, I'm a client of yours, like I'm a pitcher in the big leagues right now, you're like, all right, Perry, I'm going to, I will do whatever, whatever you want. I'm struggling right now. I need to get batters out. Like what, what should I be doing tonight at seven o'clock? Like what should the game plan be? Like, where should I be throwing the pitches? Like where should, what pitches <laughs> to throw all that? You just dive in, man. Um, you know what? Let, can I share the screen? Yeah. Yeah. I want to share an at bat because I think it's easier to understand what I'm talking about with um with at bats okay this first pitch is like the fastball everybody's in love with he's going to throw it it's going to have a, a middle tunnel and then it moves to the outside part of the plate and if you watch this swing no hesitation pretty much a typical Corey seager all out a hundred percent on that pitch full extension the, the the ball is right by the barrel, right? So yeah. he is he is on that pitch. So that 94 pitch is actually 91 from an effective velocity standpoint because the, the diagonal works like this. And when you get on the diagonal, it is what the radar gun says it is. So 94 here would be 94. But when it starts to move away, the hitter has more time to hit it. Mm-hmm. So they get extended for deeper into the the hitting zone okay all right so next pitch is a slider and this one he's clearly way early right and he misses it if you had a side view i could totally tell you exactly how early or late he is in each of these but he's he's early to that so when you look at these two pitches why does he swing at that right because if 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 the analytics guys are right and hitter's attention doesn't exist, why doesn't he just hit this slider? Or why doesn't he just take it? Because he could recognize it and see it. Why not just take it? And the answer is, is it looks exactly like the fastball away, and he just took the best swing he's ever taken. So you tell me, is the timing of his swing geared to a slider or a fastball? Fastball. Because his foot gets down, same time, both pitches, right? Right. But now this ball splits apart and moves straight down. Brilliant. But but that's him taking the same exact swing, right? So now you go to a pitch that's that's a little bit different. This one's up and in. And he takes the same swing, but the ball is now on his handle, not on his barrel. But it's the same swing, and and the way you know that is you superimpose it, and let's check it out. These are both the fastball swings. And there's part of the issue, right, is they look identical. If you look up in the upper right, you can see the clock. It's oh, at yeah. 0.133 seconds. That's a third of the way to the plate. And then they start to split at halfway. And this is something I'll never understand about analytics is look at the angle of his bat. And this is pretty much the norm throughout major league baseball. The business end of this bat is down here. Why do you want to create a pitch that's heading towards the bat, the business end versus this one that's heading towards the handle? I'll never understand how that becomes a thing. But this bat angle and these two pitches, the shape of them and where they end up, is is what effective velocity is all about. The devil is in the details. And this the details of these two pitches is very drastically different. But in the analytic world, those are both just foul balls, right? They're just they're gonna go in the same bucket as a successful pitch when effective velocity is gonna tell you he's going to crush this way more often than he's going to crush this unless he changes his focus. I'm not saying he can't hit that. 
I'm saying he's not geared to it normally. He has to change his gearing, what he's focused on in order to hit that up and in pitch because it's faster than what he expects to get. So a hitter's attention is what they gear to. So right now it's very clear he's geared to 91 EV miles per hour, but not 99, which is what this pitch is up and in 95. So it's one mile an hour faster. I think you can see it here. It's one mile an hour faster, but it's, it's significantly faster in speed. It's like eight miles an hour faster in effective speed because he would have to hit that so much further out in front. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand that. Yep. So, so now, 100, 100 mile an hour fastball would be like, a, like what, 104? 106. 106. <laughs> so when you see these fastballs up and in, when you see a guy hitting a 100 mile an hour pitch, typically it's going to be where? Down here, right? right. When every time you see Josh Hader get crushed, it's because Josh Hader is throwing a downhill fastball in that area. So his 97 turns into 92, which is the exact peak of when all hardest hit balls happen is at 92.5 EV miles an hour. So for him to throw 97, but throw it down and away, ludicrous. If he throws it up and in, <clears throat> that same pitch becomes 102. And then he throws a slider away, let's say 88, 89, it becomes 85. And then he throws a changeup, which would be down and away to uh, a righty, but down and into a lefty. He creates this triangle. But all those three pitches come out of the same exact tunnel. They all look alike. and But they have speed differentials that are ridiculous, that are so far outside of the average hitter's speed, uh, the, their attention zone. So now he gets one more pitch in the sequence. And you can see this clearly goes, if you were to see the side view of this, you'd see how early he is. So this is an 88 pitch changeup, but it's 88 down and away. So it's really got an 84 effect. So that pitch is 84 miles an hour. And he so he went from super, he went from what 99 up and in to 84 low and away. Right. Out of the same tunnel. And that's why he takes the same swing because in his mind, that's the same fastball I saw first pitch. The fastball up and in was the same pitch I saw move to the outside part of the plate. So there's two schools of thought. Either A, he throws this to set everything up, <laughs> but I'm saying that's a that's a very poor plan because you have to your bait is so at risk, it's ridiculous. Why take that chance? Why not just throw the pitches that are outside that, that attention zone and force him to come up with a different game plan? I, I'm not saying that hitters can't hit these pitches. They, they hit them every night, right? But the only way Corey Seager hits this 84 is if he slows everything down a bit, either on purpose or he, something is tipped off. So instead of having this change up be in that tunnel in here, what if he threw a, let's say a hard slider right here, completely different look out of the hand, right? Right. So what do you think he does to 84 if he sees it out of the hand? It's going to be a different effect. So the, the four basic ways that hard hit balls happen is like this first one thrown right into the attention zone right? The highest exit velocities, the hardest hit balls, the, the highest batting average, everything peaks with attention zone pitches. When you throw it right into the speed range that the average hitter is focused on, whether they know it or not, they're focused there. Um, they can change that focus anytime they want. That's, that's the whole effective velocity side of hitting is how to do that. That's what I was doing with Carlos Pena. It's what I did with the Oklahoma softball organization that's that has they've actually changed both sports forever nobody knows that yet but like Tiger Woods came along and he was an athlete that was hitting the ball so much harder than everybody else so much further and the whole world of golf had to change right they had to in order to compete they had to all get in shape so now you see all these studs 
out on the tour because that's the norm now, right? He, he forced the game to get better. Oklahoma softball led the nation in every offensive category. They shattered every record in the history of the sport. They won back-to-back-to-back national championships. And and they had a .89 team ERA. So they're the best pitching team and the best hitting team in, in that sport by a lot. And people want to attribute it to all kinds of things. But they're just more EV efficient on the pitching side. They avoid the mistakes that pitchers make. And they capitalize on attention. They understand how attention works. And they control it rather than the pitcher controlling it. So if if you're Corey Seager here, what what should he have done different this at bat? Like, what would you have advised him on doing differently? Well, don't miss your fat the first fastball because <laughs> you're not going to get anything else to hit, right? Yep. If if you understand this, if you are a black belt in in uh, in game planning, then you have to look at what these pitchers do overall, and you have to see where they make their mistakes. Every pitcher makes a lot of mistakes. They either cross pitches over. This just happens to be a unique at bat because it was so great. It was so definitive of what attention is. I mean, there's all kinds like you can, we can, we can look at a million different um, pitchers. I didn't, I didn't key anybody up. That's going to throw, make a lot of mistakes. Um, But the, but the primary thing is this, if, if you're going to throw your fastball away and then you're going to throw your changeup away and then you're going to throw your slider away if you're a right-handed pitcher and you're going to throw your curveball away all of these pitches they can't go to the same spot and look alike they have to take a different flight right they have to fly differently in the air in order to get to that same spot at different speeds and different movements so the only way that you can um utilize your movement and your speeds together is to design your pitches around the idea of effective velocity. You have to use a tunnel. It it was the reason why the tunnel was invented was when you discover this attention zone and you realize that guys are going to crush 92 to about 87. That's that speed range. That's that bubble that he would absolutely kill. So this particular thing is right outside of that speed bubble. So if you're going to throw consistently pitches in this speed range, good luck with that because it's the number one hard hit ball. It's it's what you see every night on, on quick pitch. It's that those are the balls that are crushed every single night. The teams that are the best hitting teams of baseball, they hit that speed range better than everybody else, period. doesn't matter what the pitch looks like. I don't care how much movement you have. You could have the biggest movement in the world. And if that movement is heading towards 92 to 87, you're going to give up a lot of hard hit balls. 92 to 87 on middle away, right? Yeah. And that's based on a certain pitcher, right? That's like based on the average pitcher. Pitcher, Joe Blow pitchers throwing 94, 95. Every, every pitcher's throwing 94, 95. Right. So the average pitcher in baseball, when they throw their 95 away, is 92.5 roughly. So that's the top of that speed range. That's about where every hitter focuses because you hear every hitting instructor say what? Walk away. Well, so, uh, okay, so that's 95. So if you have a pitcher throw a 98, 99, then then what? Then you're just different. I mean. You're losing. um, if If I'm at 100 and I throw middle away. Yeah. It's it's really closer to 97, right? Right, which is out of that 87 to 92 range. Yeah, but but I know that I'm facing someone throwing 100. So I'm not going to be stupid enough to think that I'm going to get 92. I'm, I know I'm going to get 100. But my idea of 100 is what? It's not 100. It's a couple miles an hour slower than 100 because for 100 years, the hitters and the or the pitchers have been focusing where? And on blue fastballs, on twos, they've been keeping the ball down, son. You got to keep that ball down. <laughs> you get more ground balls if you if you throw the ball down. There's there's like 25 reasons why it's the dumbest pitch in the sport, but yet everybody focuses around it pretty much. 
they all have a version of down and away fastball for uh, like a hundred years ago. Why, why do you think they started moving the fastball all around? I mean, think about it when you're throwing 80% fastballs, why would you move the fastball all over the place? Well, if you throw it at one place, I mean, a hitter gets a, is going to get accustomed to that and then have a, a, a bat path that's going to crush yeah. that one spot, one location. So that's one reason. What what else? I think just changing eyesight for set up other pitches. Okay. Um, what else? There's one more major one. Getting strikes. I mean, potentially. Yeah, but I mean, that's the, that's that's a primary goal anyway, but it changes speed, right? Every time you throw it to one of these locations, middle, middle is the same as up and away and down and in, but throwing up and in and throwing down and away are drastically different than even the one that's, that's middle, middle. So they, they, the only way you could change reaction times was to change the speeds, but like the, the Rangers hitting coach and I are really good friends. We did a study with 200 elite level showcase kids high school kids we created a, a test <laughs> that they've never replicated since it's amazing but they've never done it we had all of these kids come in and we had a, we had a pitching machine one of those really elite high level pitching machines that would show you the video and then the ball comes out and they could pinpoint where the pitch was going and even though these kids are facing 90 miles an hour back then we we didn't choose 90 or 80 we chose 70 like a bp speed and we gave them, like if it was a lefty hitter, we threw the fastballs in round one, middle and middle away. So we basically geared them to middle away speed, like they're used to anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the second round, when, when it counted, we went middle in, up and in, and down and away in the strike zone. So that 70 mile an hour pitch in the first round was really 68. But that 70 mile an hour pitch down and away is 66. And this one middle in is 72. And this one up and in is 74. We shattered, these kids shattered three dozen bats. <laughs> the, every bat that we had, that we made them use a wood bat, every bat that, they, that we had, they shattered. Because they were off the end of the bat with 66. They were off the handle at 74. It was astounding what happened. The average was a 187 hard hit ball rate on 70 mile an hour BP pitches strategically moved around the strike zone. So when you understand what you're doing, if you're Mariano Rivera, he used his, his cutter seven different ways. And he did it exactly the same for 20 years. He, there, and you could go back and look at any of his location reports. And what you're going to find is that he would start a lefty off one of these three basic areas, middle in, up and in, down and away. <laughs> Why? Because middle in is faster than middle, up and in is faster than that, and down and away is a shocker because it's a lot slower. So you would see him go middle in, up and in, down and away down and away, middle in, up and in. And he just did it over and over and over and over again. And we don't even still to this day, don't know why he was great. It's all, oh, well, the, the quality of that pitch, that pitch that's moving three inches was so great that it just hitters just are confounded. They can't hit it. Come on, man. There's no such thing as a pitch that's too hard to hit. It doesn't exist. But the illusion of the changing of elevation was what was what he used. So he would throw throw the first pitch middle in and then look at you and see whether you were late or early. If you pulled it foul, he would he would either go back door or he would elevate. If he had you, if he thought you were in hitterish mode, he would start you in here to see what happened. If you chased it, he'd go in there again or he would go in here. If you chase that, then he would go back door, but he would be just a little off the plate. <laughs> or he would elevate right here because this is the highest chase rate on his pitches. This one and this one were his highest chase rates. So all he did was just take elevation and go boom, boom, boom. 
And we still haven't learned that lesson. Koji Uihara probably was the one of the greatest seasons of all time. Got the job as a third string guy, right? And throwing 89-90, but throwing two pitches up and down. Coming out of the same tunnel. Same tilt axis. Same spin. Could not see the difference. Carlos Pena would tell me, dude, I don't care what you say. You cannot see the difference. They, they're tilted the same, same two-seam spin, that you cannot see the difference. And he would throw 50% up, so that 90 would become 93 or 4, probably average 93 EV. And this 81 would lose speed down to 78. So he's really throwing 78, 93 all day, every day, and nobody's adjusting. And you think guys weren't going, hmm, He's 50-50 fastball. You'd think they didn't just go, well, I'm sitting fastball. And the other guy go, well, I'm just going to sit changeup. They, they tried that a thousand times. And guess what? It didn't work. It doesn't work very well because you have to train to be good at that. And most guys don't train to do that. They, they train to see it and hit it. They train fastball, fastball, fastball. And if they do work on off speed, it's curveball, curveball, curveball. It's only now in the last couple of years that guys have started training with sequences. Mm. And yeah, I mean, there's really only one way you can train that way, and that's with having a live pitcher in there throwing. Yeah. And knowing exactly what he's going to do ahead of time so that you can anticipate what's going to happen. If you don't understand EV, you're never going to be a black belt hitter, period. If you don't know the effects of speed and you don't know how tunnels work and you don't know how the zone works, you can't possibly be 100% on time. It's not going to happen. You know, like if we look at, there's a great example in softball. I, mean, I don't know if you're, is your audience both baseball and softball? Yeah. Yep. This is a, um, I think one of the great examples of, of what 100-100 is. This was the second hardest ball hit in the College World Series this year. And there is a lot of things that people misunderstand about what Oklahoma is doing, but their goal is 100-100. Their mantra is 100-100. They're trying to be 100% on time and have 100% of their mechanical efficiency and square the ball up at 100% as often as possible. Those three things almost never happen. But when you, if you look at what's going on here, this lead arm is a little bit bent. And when it's a little bit bent, that is where she's trying to get to. So that's 100-100 as far as timing. So she is 97% on time. From my perspective, that's really unbelievably good, right? Because most people are this late. <laughs> They're going to hit it way back here. But what would mm -hmm. happen to her if she was this late? She still crushes that ball. So they led the nation in lowest strikeouts, I think. They have more homers than strikeouts because – they're, when you're in line with a pitch, how do you miss it? It, it? Unless it does crazy stuff, which it does in the big leagues, right? All kinds of ways. It does in softball too. But when you're in line with it, you're going to make solid contact way more often. And the other thing that they understand that the world doesn't, they're pretty sure, analytics was pretty sure that the only way to get to those high production numbers between 25 and 30 degrees, you got to aim up there. You got to swing the bat up there. I kept seeing this online going, what are they talking about? They keep saying they're on plane. They're on plane. And I'm like, what plane are they talking about? It's not the pitch plane, right? They're not on plane with the pitch. They're talking about being on plane to the hit they want to have to try to get on plane to 25 or 30 degrees. And I'm thinking that might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard because what happens? You got a round ball and a round bat. And about 40% of the time, you're going to be underneath the center. And about 40%, you're going to be above the center. And there's no way to adjust that, really. And about 20%, you're going to hit it in the line that you're swinging, roughly. So for 100 years, Major League Baseball has had 37% fly balls, 43% ground balls, and 20% line drives every single year. And the one year when they really tried to X this out, don't hit any ground balls, it went up to 46 so the more they try to lift, the more weak ground balls they hit and the more pop-ups. 
And it's the only explanation as to why a guy that's one of the best talents in the the entirety of this sport hits a buck 70 two years in a row, buck 90 with uh, Corey Be- uh, Cody Bellinger. I, I mean, it's a 100% swing plane. So the second you get out of line with the pitch, you're not going to square it up very often. You're going to foul it back, pop it up, top it. And the more you go up, the more severe the misses are. That's why last year was the worst hitting year in 55 years, as far as batting average, is because all of these experts have everybody swinging in lines that make zero sense. It's like, in my opinion, it's set hitting back 10 years with designing all these swings to do nonsensical stuff Mm -hmm. because it doesn't really work. So this, even as close as this is, it's not 100-100, but it's super close. And that's the whole goal. But most hitters aren't really trying to get to 100-100. They're trying to get to 85-85. If you listen to them talk, what do they say? Stay inside the ball. Get extended through impact. Don't get extended before impact. That's barring your arm and that's terrible. Well, I'll show you another example. I mean, but before I leave this though, this pitch is about zero degrees when you look at it, the line of it. And her swing path is just about the same, right? Slightly up. So the goal is 10 degrees. This was almost perfect because it was 15. So this is about as close as it gets to being exactly where you want to hit it. And this one ended up leaving the yard about 20 feet over the fence or 20 feet high, maybe, but still made it over the, over the fence. But the whole world is like the only way they compare everything to 25 degrees as the ideal launch angle. Like when Yelich was at four or five degrees, when he was a all-star superstar, four degrees, like he was the lowest ranked guy in, in major league baseball. And in reality, he was one of the best. Because when you're hovering between four and 10, you're smoking a lot of balls and you're going to miss 40% of the time. But what are your misses going to happen when you do it like this? Your, your misses are going to be at 30 degrees. That's what the whole, I, I, in my opinion, that's what the world missed is they're trying so hard to hit this that they missed what causes it. It's not swinging up. It's it's swinging in line with the pitch and barely missing the, the center of it, creating backspin and creating miss hits. And if you're really going to talk about science, you just quadrupled your chance for a homer as opposed to being up here, maybe hitting one out of 10. You get in line with it and you're going to hit four balls underneath the center that all have a chance to be bombs. So that's why they shattered every home run record is because they're they're in line with pitches and they're missing it out of the yard more than everybody else. Everybody else is trying to swing up and, and hit that ball on purpose. Nobody's that good. It's too hard. I mean, there's another really great example. This is uh this pitch is 73 miles an hour. And, and in fast pitch softball, if you understand that, she's locked out with her hands and the barrel inside the ball. And this, this is about equivalent to 107, 108 in, in Major League Baseball as far as reaction time because they they're, they let go of it at about 40 feet or less and traveling at 73 miles an hour, this ball is, is moving. And she's still fully locked, which everybody says is impossible. You can't get locked out on that kind of speed. But she's in line with it forever. She misses this ball badly but it's still a mammoth home run. This thing cleared everything. But she's doing things that that the rest of the world physically say are virtually impossible. That's good stuff. Yeah, that's all very interesting. I I like how uh I like how you're an outside the box type of thinker, Perry. I think it's it's pretty cool and um Hopefully, I think today, more than anything, it's been able to open up the eyes of, of maybe some other coaches or ears if they're listening to this. If somebody wants to connect with you further, learn more, like where should they reach out to you at? How should they connect with you? Um, my website is effectivevelocity.com. 
Um, they can, I'm going to do a lot more stuff on Twitter coming up Okay. at EV Perry husband. Um, I'm going to start doing some more YouTube stuff too, sharing some of this, um, out into the world. Um, got memberships available. We just kind of started that process and, um, they can, they can look at that kind of stuff on, on the website. Um, but we're, we're going to start doing a lot more. I've been hidden for a while. I've been working, doing a lot of work with like Oklahoma and uh, some college coaches at different, different programs. And then um, some work with Brent Strom. Still, we did all of the stuff when he was with the Astros. We did makeovers on Charlie Morton and but uh, uh, virtually everybody that, that went through that Astros organization, Cole Verlander. Um, so the, the, the most elite, pitchers and the most elite pitching coaches i mean the 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 list of pitching coaches that are ev minded is very long now phillies the orioles the diamondbacks the dodgers the um all of the very highest elite level pitchers and and programs are effective velocity deep deep seated um history and effective velocity love it Awesome. Perry, appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.